This is the Working Drummer Podcast, featuring conversations with ground-level pros from all styles and regions. Real drummers with real stories about making a living in music. Hey everyone, welcome to Working Drummer Podcast. I'm Zach Albetta, and today I'm talking with Sam Merrick. Sam has been in the drum chair for the touring production of Hamilton since January 2018. Prior to that, he was a busy freelancer in New York, working a bartending job for some of that time and playing a wide range of gigs from corporate bands to club gigs to Sharon Jones and the Dap Kings. When the pandemic shut down Hamilton, he relocated to the Washington, D.C. area and set up a home studio where he has done remote tracking and a sample pack, which he has just released through the drum broker. The Hamilton tour resumed in Atlanta six weeks ago. We would appreciate your support on Patreon. Go to patreon.com slash working drummer and a donation in any amount gets you access to exclusive content from our former guests. Think of this as professional development for drummers, all useful and actionable lessons for the working pro. We're populating new content regularly and as little as $1 a month gets you access to all of it. If Patreon isn't your thing, you can also make a one-time donation through PayPal. There are links for both on our homepage at workingdrummer.net. While you're there, you can learn more about this episode and check out our archive of over 300 episodes. Also, please subscribe to Working Drummer Podcast on your platform of choice. We're available on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, and YouTube. And be sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram. Lastly, however you listen, please leave us a rating and review. This helps new listeners find us. We have some new Patreon content up since a lot of us are doing more tracking lately. We're having some of our guests talk about a specific song they've tracked drums for and all the technical and creative aspects of that recording process. New content there from Doan Perry, Jim White, Joe Bergamini, and Steven Chopek. So check that out. Again, that's patreon.com slash working drummer. Hamilton was posted up at the Fox Theater in Atlanta for the last few weeks, so we got to do another in-person interview since Sam was a temporary Atlanta resident. He's had an interesting path both before Hamilton and during it, and there's a lot of open-ended potential for what might come next. So here we go, Sam Merrick. Let's just start where you are now in Atlanta, like we were just talking about. So. This is this is the first city, like uh, after sort of the resumption of the tour, yeah, right? Exactly. Yeah. Um, how long have you been here? Uh, it'll be about six weeks. Oh, yeah, cool. Six, yeah, about six weeks. Wow. And yeah. how much longer are you here? Just a few more days. We uh, we head to Jacksonville on Monday. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. <laughs> uh, I, I mean, being close to Jacksonville, I have a lot of friends here who are from there from around there. And mm-hmm. it seems like there's kind of like a, a good little music scene down there. Cool. It's, it's still Florida. I've, I've, I've only heard, heard rumors. <laughs> <laughs> I saw an IG post of yours that like it showed your setup at the Fox theater. Yeah. And, and what you wrote sort of, uh, I gathered that like you were in Toronto and then COVID hit yes. and shit shut down yeah. and your drums and like the whole production just sat in this theater in Toronto for a year that, and a half yeah, and exactly. then magically appeared in Atlanta. It's, <laughs> it's That's pretty accurate. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> wow. So, I mean, I, so the tour was in Toronto. We were supposed to be doing a four month sit down in Toronto from that long, that long. Wow. From February, 2020 through, I guess it would be May or June. Yeah. Um, and COVID happened and uh, um, I was, my partner and I were living in an Airbnb like we usually did. Uh, she also worked for the show. And um, oh, what does she do? She was a physical therapist. Oh, wow. So that, yeah. like those shows have a traveling PT person with yep. them? Yeah. I didn't know yeah. that. That's so cool. <laughs> There's cushy elements to the gig for yeah. sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, not just cushy, I would imagine fucking necessary, necessary yeah. for a lot yes. of people. Yeah. Absolutely. Very cool. 
Um, but yeah, the show shut down and we were in an Airbnb and we're, we're like, okay, where do we go? I had given up my apartment or subletted my apartment in New York. Yeah. She didn't have a place and we're like, oh, I'm going to live with my parents. But <laughs> <laughs> so we ended up, uh, we ended up and, uh, at her grandmother's old house, which happened to be vacant and outside of DC. Wow. And we just like drove from Toronto to Bowie, Maryland and we, you know, had this house for 11 months, came up with like a good little rent situation with her family. And wow, that's weird. And that's where we were. <laughs> okay. So I like, I, I want to talk more about the show, obviously, but, sure. but, uh, you know, before we got on, I was asking you like, where the hell do you live? <laughs> because your IG like, there's, there's stuff in Nashville, there's stuff in New York. Yeah. Uh, where are you from originally? I'm from Vermont originally. Oh, okay, cool. Um, and, and did Nashville come first or New York? New York came first. Went to school in Boston, uh, ended up in New York where I, where I was for about nine years. Okay. And then left on the tour and, um, Nashville came into the picture, uh, actually right before the pandemic, I bought a house there and no shit. yeah, I just, just, we were, the, the tour was there for about a month and I just, I have a lot of friends there and mm -hmm. just like love the vibe and kind of was, um, unsure if i wanted to go back to new york and do that again mm -hmm. um and it was just like the perfect moment and i just i pulled the trigger and then oh the world's stopping yeah. and so so I, i've you know i got some i got some tenants in there now thankfully but, oh good yeah. yeah okay cool yeah so that's that's where the nashville thing comes in cool so like you're you're kind of like you mentioned your home base is kind of washington dc area Yes. Uh, but like, do you still have eyes on Nashville? I mean, you own a house there. Do you want to end up there? Like, yeah, I mean, we're going to, uh, we're going to see what happens in about a year when like the tour, like we've like been doing a tour and see how I'm feeling. And, right. um, it's kind of, it's kind of the goal, I think. Yeah. 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 We'll see. It's going to be a play by your kind of situation. Yeah. I mean, I think everybody is in that to one degree or another right now. <laughs> um, you know, not all of us in terms of like, where we live, but just in like, you know, moving forward, what's your right. career going to look like? What are sure, you going to sure. try to pursue? Um, so, uh, so you're in Toronto, you're in the middle of this run yeah. and, uh, and just everything got shut down. So like from a company perspective, like, I don't know who the parent company was well, Disney, isn't it running Hamilton? No. Um, Hamilton is its own entity. I think they sold the rights to Disney for the movie. Got it. But, just for the movie but thing. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Um, so, like, who is the parent company of uh, Hamilton? Baseline Theatrical. It's okay. It's a company in New York. And is that a company that does, like, Broadway and touring stuff or just yes, the tour? Okay. Exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah. They've done a bunch of shows and. Yeah. Yeah. So like, what was the, the company's sort of communication to everybody when this went down and along the process yeah. of, of sort of getting back into it here? Yeah. I mean, I mean, I, I feel so lucky because Hamilton was, was, they went above and beyond kind of in every step of the way, mm -hmm. you know, like covering like losses on Airbnbs that you had to cancel. Wow. Um, they covered some health insurance. Like they, they were, they were so awesome and communicative and, you know, like more so than anybody would expect any company to be mm -hmm. like of in any industry. <laughs> yeah. 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 So, um, but yeah, they were, they were cool. And I think it was about, they, you know, they gave us a guarantee, like, we're going to be back. Don't worry. And right. this is last, you know, summer 2020 when things are looking pretty bleak and, yeah, and, and, you know, so just hanging on to that little ounce of hope was, mm -hmm. was, I mean, I don't know where I'd be now if I, you know, didn't have that. So I feel so super lucky. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah. And so I guess it was, I guess it was about April of this year that they reached out and they were like, we got, we got some dates. I think we're going to do it, you know? Yeah. And the, the train started rolling. Cool. Yeah. Cool. So like, did you, I imagine you had to go back into rehearsals at some point. Yeah. Was yeah. It? The band, the band went in about, uh, about uh five days before the first show I mean, okay yeah not to... not too much we you know we it was the same same crew we had done shoot like 800 plus shows before under uh, before that so it was like it was like riding a bike yeah pretty much yeah, yeah. no changes to the show just no, like no. dust it off yeah and, exactly and, yeah and like how many shows you, you mentioned 800 shows before the pandemic yeah, uh, you know, actually, this this past Wednesday, we the company played our nine hundredth. That's nuts. It's yeah. So how many like 
what what time period does 800 shows equate to how long have you been doing this show uh i started the gig um when the when the company was formed in january 2018 wow so i before covid i was out for about two years and a month and some change but yeah wow so and you know eight shows a week for 52 weeks a year i mean you're looking at almost 400 plus shows a year so yeah that's the that's the gig man whether you're on broadway or touring it's like week in week out oh yeah it's crazy we're grinding yeah (laughs) so like prior to hamilton Mm -hmm. what was your what was your broadway or musical experience and what was your ambition in that arena yeah sure um well i moved to new york um I guess in 2008, kind of like, I, I, I always loved playing drums and I, 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 I went to school for communications. I wasn't, I don't think I was like, had like career ambitions of like, quote unquote, making it. Right. But um, yeah. And so I just started playing in a lot of bands and I had some couple friends there. And so you, were you working a day job in New York? I had a bartending gig. Cool. Yep, okay. And, and I, actually, I mean, this, this, I was another, uh, super fortunate moment was that the first bartending gig I got happened to be b- directly below the drummer's world shop in New York city huh. on 46th street. Huh. And so I, you know, you get lunch shifts. So like it was, a, it was a Cuban restaurant. And so all the drummers that worked there would come down and like hang out at the bar. Oh man. And so it's like, Oh yeah, I play. Right. <laughs> sure, man. Yeah. Right. I'll, be- I'll bet you do. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> get me another beer. Yeah. And, uh, so, but no, I just, I started, you know, they invited me to some some random little hangs and started meeting some people and started playing in some bands and just like, I mean, I I, th- I kept the day gig, kept day gig by uh, bartending probably for five years or so after that. But wow. eventually kind of things got moving enough for me where I could support just doing the music, which. Yeah. So like uh, at at that time, it's it's just a bunch of random gigs. You're just freelancing around mm-hmm. New York. Different yep. bands, different genres. Yep, yep. Whatever the hell. Yep, exactly. I, I had a couple private students as mm-hmm. well, but it was mostly playing. Hmm. Yeah, and um, yeah. I mean, it was it was it was a great time. Yeah. So, like, if you didn't go to school for music, mm-hmm. uh, I mean, you obviously read your ass off, or else you wouldn't be in this show. <laughs> like, where where does your drum training come from? Uh, I took some lessons growing up. Right. I mean, I but say like, that. Yeah. I say that as if going to college is the only way you can learn. <laughs> no, I know. What you know? Mean, yeah. <laughs> yeah. No. I I took I took private lessons from a pretty young age through through the few, first few years of high school, mm-hmm. doing reading, like a lot of jazz studies. Like you know, I had and I mean, I'll be super honest about like coming into the Broadway thing is that my reading it was not great, uh-huh. and I I really had to work yeah. hard to like get it together to like. So, like, what Broadway or musical opportunity was presented to you where you were like, oh, I got to get my shit together? Was it Hamilton or was it? Yeah, actually. Really? Yeah, yeah. Jesus. Yeah. So, this is interesting because, like, we've talked to a a handful of um, players who just make their living on Broadway or or in the musical world in general. And some of them, like, have made it, you know, like a lifelong pursuit to, like, be good at that and that's their thing. But other people have just, you know, been going along with their little drumming career and had some Broadway opportunity just, like, sure. fall in their lap. Yeah. So that's what happened. That was exactly you- the case Okay, here. so what yeah. happened? Um, what happened? I was playing a wedding gig. <laughs> and... <laughs> <laughs> how every good story starts. Oh, there's, and, there's one reason to take those wedding games, yeah, man. Yeah. There there are, are a lot, but that's sure, you know. <laughs> um and and it was my first gig with this band and the guitar player and I were chatting on a set break and he had actually just gotten the touring Hamilton gig of one of the other companies and you know the I the wedding came and went, we did the thing, and I got a message from him the next day being like, Hey, I heard they're still looking for somebody for one of these tours. Would you be in can I put you in touch with so-and-so for an audition? I was like, yeah, let's do it. And did a couple rounds of video auditions, just playing, playing Hamilton charts, top to bottom with a click. Mm-hmm. And that's it. Yeah. And like just the drums, no. Just drums and click. Yeah. Playing the chart down. And, you know, when I say like my reading isn't great, like I had to like shed my balls off <laughs> to get it. Like, you know, and, and, and I did know that, that, um, 
the musical director they they want the ink you know they want yeah. they want exactly that so it's just like lots yeah. of listening to be like oh what's that oh okay i need to like adjust i mean mm-hmm. i've i've always kind of fallen back on my ears to get me through things and never ever reading so this was yeah this was a this was a, oh, an awakening <laughs> i was i was talking with q robinson who hooked us up yeah um, yeah a few months ago and and he was talking about this very thing where like you know once in a while there's a little room for you to like inject a little bit of yourself into a musical like that yeah. and you know your personal style or whatever can be brought to bear a little bit but q q was like usually they don't want to hear that shit all they want to hear is no. that book they want to yeah. hear that book yep um yep. and if you can just be like totally transparent where there's just nothing of you and everything of the book that's the name of the yeah game. totally totally and you know the first the the first round of video auditions I did, uh, I got a random call from Alex Lackamore, who's you know the guy who basically wrote all the music for Hamilton, right. arranged it, like right. total genius. Uh, Is he still the MD on Broadway? He's or? not. He's not. But he did it all through like when it was off Broadway, public theater in the first few years at right. the Richard Rogers in town. Okay. Um. And yeah, I mean he's just a monster. Um. But. He called me on the phone randomly. He's like, "Hey, I saw your audition, and I don't really have any notes for you." Which is, which was, I was like, "I'm told later that's like doesn't happen." Wow. <laughs> but he's like, "I need you to do a take where you're having fun." <laughs> <laughs> that's so, cool. So that was the second round of things, and it was basically just like, "Okay, inject yourself." Mm-hmm. Which you know, I was surprised to even get that kind of feedback in in this kind of situation, um, and I think. I think he, he, to some extent, he likes that, especially from the drum set book in this case. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he likes excitement, things to feel live. Right. And, and he wants in, yeah, it's, it, you, you tow a fine line. I'll, yeah, I'll say that. It, it sounds like, I mean, he didn't, he didn't want you to like change the book and come up no, with your own of course ideas. Not. He wanted you to like mean it. He wanted me to mean it and play. Get out of your head and yes. just like, yes. got it. Yes. Got it. So that leads to kind of another question I had. I I interviewed uh, Andres a yeah. cu- couple years ago. Cool. Um, but one thing he said that stuck with me was uh, like about this show specifically. He was like, if you don't come every night to this show with your fucking game face on, this show will eat you. Like yes. he used those words, this show will <laughs> eat you. True. Yeah. Um, and you know, I, I was, you know, I took that to mean there's, you know, there's the physical endurance of the, of the yeah. show. There's the, the energy of it. There's the length of it. It's a long show. Yeah. Um, but I think what you're talking about is part of what he was talking about. Just bringing like that spirit and energy and joy to intensity. It. Yeah. 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 Man. Okay. So and he's that kind of player. Totally. And, and. And as I was kind of like learning the show and trying to, you know, navigate this like new Broadway world that I had just kind of stumbled into, yeah. like, you know, how Andres played the show, that was my North Star. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I mean, and there there's like certain moments in the show where he might like, like insert like a little bit of flavor on a certain night. And like, I think, I think the band responds to that. And I think right. the audience responds to that. And Andres has license to do that. Absolutely. Like he's earned the right yes, to do that. Absolutely. <laughs> and earned the trust. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, but yeah, that's, uh, as we're coming out of the pandemic, like, you know, I've been recording in here a lot and, and getting back in touch with like, you know, the lighter touch, the more subtle stuff. And when mm-hmm. I find myself out there live, it's like, shit, you got to bring it again, you know? Yeah. Um, so did you, uh, like in addition to getting your reading chops together and everything, was that, um, was sort of like bringing that spirit and that energy, like a learning curve? Did you have to work a long time to sort of, um, when I was first starting the game? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I feel like, I don't think I had to learn, like, to really consciously be like, okay, I need to, like, really be intense right now. Right. You know? Gotta I, bring it. Right? I, <laughs> better play well. No. Uh, I, yeah, I just, I feel like I, I think my just general MO about music is kind of just like I need to bring that energy as yeah. a drummer. It's, like, really on you to, like, make things push forward. And mm-hmm. um, so I don't think I necessarily did anything or had a different headspace. But it was, it was, it was, it was, but it was merging that headspace with like playing within the confines of the ink 
Yeah. And it was the real challenge. Right. Because, I mean, like, I was, I always love, like, sponta- spontaneity and Me improvising too. and Me just, too. like, I'm going to do this feel because I feel it. Yeah. And you couldn't, you can't do that in this, in this situation. Um, it's, it's, again, it's like towing the line be- between, like, staying true to that ink. Right. But while still, like, bringing excitement and live energy. Right. You it. just have to, like, channel it into a very specific box. Yes. Yes, exactly. Oof, crazy. Yeah. Um, Which was a great challenge, honestly. I had yeah. I had never done that in my life, and it was, I've I've been I continue to learn a lot. <laughs> yeah, and, yeah, yeah. Um, it, I'm I'm just I haven't seen footage of you playing this show, but I'm thinking back on footage of I've I've seen of Andres. Yeah, and like everything is so specific and so precise, but he looks and feels as if he's just playing, you know, a show at a club right yep. he's like totally in it he's totally in the moment he is not on autopilot mm-hmm. everything he's playing he's done 2000 times before but <laughs> yep. it's like he the energy is like it's the first time yeah um and i think that's you know ha- having you uh you know enlighten a little bit about what he was saying like that's all making sense to me like if you don't bring that every night yep. the show will eat you yeah yeah <laughs> and 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 you know there's there's the way the show is written. It really requires you to, to not go on autopilot necessarily. Mm. I mean, I don't know how much you and Andres talked about like the technical aspect of um, the show, but basically, like you know, the the percussionist, their book, they they have like synth kicks and they have snaps and claps, and I'd say like eighty percent of the book it's in unison with m- my kick and my snare mm-hmm. or cross stick or whatever. Mm-hmm. So you're really really forced to like lock in with somebody else and like really intensely listen it's like how what's my relationship to the click right now like yeah. how is this feeling and am i playing in a certain way that like with the click that like lets the percussionist feel relaxed and for us really really glue together yeah. because like it's nothing worse than a flammed kick drum man like, <laughs> you know <laughs> so so like so in that sense the show i mean you they could have easily probably put a trigger on my kick drum and mm-hmm. not, but I think I, I I can't confirm this, but like, I've always been like, yeah, he probably did this on Alex Lackamore probably wrote this on purpose to like really get people to listen mm. and really engage every single person in the band. Yeah. Um, and so that being said, but also uh, the way that the clicks are constantly dropping in and out. Mm-hmm. So there's it, there's I don't think there's a single song where it's just like you start the click at the beginning and it stop it at the end. It's wow. so basically like if you think about the musical and it's like you know you got three bars of click stops the actor delivers a line that's going to push and pull in some way differently from night to night right. and, and the entire band is then looking at like our our camera monitors for the MD to kind of cue us all back in. And percussionist is triggering those clicks. So it's like landing on a downbeat together. Yeah. And ideally not flaming with the click either. And it's just like, and it's just like a seamless flow. And it does this, I think there's 117 click triggers throughout the whole show that the percussionist does. And yeah, it's, it's wild, man. And so again, all these things really force you to stay present and engaged (laughs) yeah and as i'm thinking about hamilton it's uh like some musicals are you know sort of there's a there's a wall built between um like narrative dialogue and Mm -hmm. songs right and that has a certain effect for the flow of the musical it's not good or bad it's just you Mm -hmm. know there's dialogue you're looking for your cue line click starts you do the song you're done yeah more dialogue but with hamilton it's so like interwoven yeah. the yeah. the music is there's just this constant push and pull between um just sort of like moving moving stuff forward narratively yeah and then the music popping up again and it's like oh this is going to be a musical moment and now we're going to mm-hmm. but and it might be like three and a half bars and then there's like you yeah. know it's just this constant up and down yep yep um, so i can see how that takes a lot of bandwidth and i could see how yeah. that will eat you <laughs> yeah yeah every which way the wind was blowing i'm doubting my faith with every motion disillusioning the very notion i had but it made for some new frames of mind relieved i didn't stay in line because i believe if i had 
I'm still, you know, every every show, it's like I I have to consciously uh, pay attention to how I'm like physically approaching the the instrument and the show, and like I can't play this too tight. Like I'm gonna this like I cannot sustain this yeah. if I'm just like you know it's a massive kit, and it's like I'm really constant. Like this is my uh, tour 2.0. It's like I will not like hurt my lower back. Right. Like, and so it's like really focusing on just grounding, getting those sits bones glued to the throne yeah. and like, you know, shifting like in a very healthy way. Right. So you can do the show the next day and yeah, then the man. next day. Like, so it's. Have you studied with Dave Elich? I took a lesson with him uh, last year. Because yeah. you're, you're speaking like Elich's language right now. And I just had my second lesson with him oh, cool. like a week ago. Nice. So my brain, my headspace, everything behind the drums is totally where you just said. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And and I took a lesson with Dave and it was it was great. I think I hated the drums for about a month afterwards. You might. Yeah. But, but at the same time, like a year later, I'm in a much better physical state. Mm -hmm. You know, I have no back pain and, and, uh, I had worked on like kick drum technique that like, I just couldn't get like really as consistent doubles as I would like until now. It's like, it was, it was a very valuable session. Yeah. 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 I can't recommend it highly enough. We we interviewed him a year and a half ago, a year ago, maybe. Um, and we want to do another interview with him because he's, uh, before too long gonna release like the next iteration of his online course right um but yeah like elich has been in my head for about six months now yeah um to one degree or another and man it's helped it's helped so much like you said this like the kick technique the the posture the sit bones the like opening up your chest the last lesson i had with him we worked on like i was i was like collapsing my chest and my spine as i move to the right like if you go down to the right to play a mm-hmm. fill my whole posture was just going like Bruh. yeah and so he just <laughs> he was like pretend you're iron man and you have like that that light on your chest and that yep. you know as you turn that light has to you know if you're pointing your light at your floor tom you're fucked <laughs> keep it up you know? yep yep um, so real man i yeah it and and like I, before the Hamilton gig, I was always like playing like a four piece kit, two mm. cymbals, like very traditional kind of setup. And yep. um, so when suddenly I have five snare drums and, you know, a full thing of toms and a timbal, like a whole cage around me, basically, yeah. like it, it was an adjustment. Yeah. And it took a long time to get used to that and to play the show in a healthy way. I would imagine that would be. Um like so did you find yourself uh when when you got onto that bigger kit did you find that you had to kind of like start over with how to find the good posture and how to find the good movement was it causing bad shit or bad habits yeah, oh i can't i don't know if i can blame the kit necessarily for <laughs> no go ahead blame the kit's kit. fault blame the no. gear uh yeah exactly. <laughs> and well i will say this is that when i first got on the gig i was not paying attention to any of that mm. stuff whatsoever right. it was just like playing the right stuff right and so there came a point you know where i where i was like comfortable enough with playing the show and the ink where i could you know focus on technique and posture and those kinds of things and i wish i did it sooner to tell you the truth right i mean i would imagine there came a point in the show where your body was like can't do this forever Oh yeah. I mean, it was like three and a half months in, I think I had that realization. I had, I was having some back stuff and, um, I switched up the kit. So it was more like, uh, so I had the electronics centered Mm -hmm. and above, above the toms, which had previously been all to the right of the electronics. So I was doing way more twisting and, and you know, yeah. anyways, it took, yeah, it, I paid for it. (laughs) Sure. Sure. And it's interesting how, like, if, you know, depending on what gig you're on, you uh you might use a similar setup to the drummer before you or you might just go with like whatever you think is conventional yeah but then if you really interrogate like well how often do i actually play this thing mm-hmm. right if it's not very often it should be way the fuck over there like I, what do i play the most often let's make that the easiest yeah and for a gig like hamilton that's probably not the traditional shit 
Right. Well, that's exactly why I switched up the kit. Right. Because I had kind of modeled it after Andres's setup in New York, and I got some remote triggers, so I didn't have this whole DTX like using that real estate right in front of me. Mm-hmm. And um, and then yeah, I mean, it works great for me. Yeah. At, the, at this point. But yeah. Yeah. Totally. So like, there was a there was a learning curve for uh, reading. There was a learning curve for just like bringing energy. There was a learning curve yeah. for your physical approach. Was there a learning curve for all these fucking electronics? Uh, I, I felt actually very comfortable with that aspect okay, of it. Yeah. I mean, honestly, it was, it was, it's, I, the, the percussionist in the band plays most of the electronics. Gotcha, There's okay. about six or seven points in the show where I'm, where I'm, you know, playing on some pads, but right. it's pretty, yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty easy. So like, part. did, did the show require you to know the ins and outs of all that stuff or to just hit the shit? Uh, they set you up to just hit the shit. Good. Yes. Yeah. Cool. But I mean, I, when I was doing the freelance thing in New York, you know, I, I did a lot of like building Ableton sessions for bands yeah. and did like a lot of that stuff. So this was all like fairly familiar territory. If mm-hmm. I having to, you know, like reprogram this DTX so I can put the pads where I want and that kind of thing. That was like, that was pretty straightforward at right. that point for me. But, uh, Yeah. Just it was just you know it's a, it was it was like planning ahead in, in the set of or uh, in, in the show just like if you don't put like if you don't switch that that patch here yeah. like you have this like two bars where you can switch that patch but if you don't and you come back and after like going right to the next one you're gonna make some funny sounds. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my God! It's yeah. it's it becomes just choreography. And, yeah, and I, yeah. I I know that with a show like Hamilton, that choreography is like more involved and more constant than most shows. Yeah, yeah, Oof. yeah. It's a it's it's a beast. It's a beast of a show. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Um. So before everything shut down, like you you mentioned, you were here for. You were in Atlanta, you're in Atlanta for four months right now. You're towards six the- weeks. Six. This is the end. Of, I was in. I was supposed to be in Toronto, Toronto for four months. Got it. Okay. Yeah. Um. So what? Like, what is the average length of time that you're sitting down in a city? Yeah. Um. It tends to be about three weeks to five is kind of the average. Uh-huh. Um. Yeah. I mean, there's some longer sit downs. Like next year, we're slated to be at the Kennedy Center in DC for four months. Cool. And you get to sleep in your own bed. Oh man, I can't wait. Amazing. <laughs> yeah, I can't <laughs> wait for that. Um, but uh, yeah, so it, it it varies, but I'd say three four weeks is kind of the average. I was thinking about this kind of tour, like specifically the musical tour. Yeah. Um, and the word tour is not. I mean, it's not really the right word because no, no. You're, you're not in a different city every night or even every week. Like you're living in a place for kind of a yeah. extended period of time. So what um, what cities have you sort of gotten to experience and and what did what have you gotten out of being able to like get to know a city a little yeah, bit? Yeah, sure. I mean, it's it's well, I think first and foremost, it's like you like you said, you really get to live in a place. Mm-hmm. Like I don't really feel like I don't you're right like it's kind of a misnomer to say it's tour because it, this is kind of my life right. I'm, i live on the road mm-hmm. and um i basically get an airbnb kind of in every city and um i like to cook my own meals i mean a lot of people do the hotel thing but that's you know that's yeah. not really that's not for me i'm also heavy into cooking and i didn't even think about that but that's another reason to love this kind of job is like yeah if you got an airbnb yeah you, you know take your good knife with you and <laughs> oh i have a whole kitchen bag believe it <laughs> that's so great yeah man. um so yeah we're, we're in an Air, airbnb for the whole stay usually and mm-hmm. um sometimes i'm living by myself uh sometimes i'm living with the bass player who's mm-hmm. a really good buddy of mine and uh yeah i drive the tour I have a car on the road, you know, they, they route, the routings are usually pretty easy. So it's like every three weeks or a month, I have to drive five or six hours to the next city on a day off. That's another thing I didn't even think yeah. of. That's amazing. Yeah. You're not living on Uber. You're just like. No, I, I try to, I, and I try to like make this feel as like normal and comfortable as I can. Yeah. Does everybody do that? Or no, no. Most people just like get a flight to the next city or whatever. Like, Or take the bus, company bus. Yeah. Huh. Um, but yeah, I mean, I travel my bicycle and you know, hopefully you're in a biking city. Yeah. yeah. And I've been loving the Beltline here, you know, Dude. I've been riding it all the time. Yeah. It's, it's been beautiful. It's been awesome. But, nice. 
uh, yeah, I just really try to make like the quote unquote tour thing feel as like regular life as I can, Mm -hmm. you know, man, how cool is that? What's been the best biking city so far? Um, I'd say probably Minneapolis was great. I've been... We were there in the fall. I mean, it was like, it was, it was pretty dreamy. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny you mentioned that. Cause like when I think of a biking city, I think of Minneapolis. Cause yeah. I like, I went through there on a tour and I, I was there for a day, but me and my guitarist buddy like rented bikes and oh, rode around so Minneapolis. Awesome. It was a spring what a great day. City. Like, yeah. So anytime I think biking, I'm just like, yeah. Minneapolis. <laughs> I was almost, I, I was tempted to say Portland for a second there, but then I was like, wait, no, I was there in March and it was rainy every day. And I, <laughs> I ended up taking an Uber home from work most days then at that point. Sure, in the tour. <laughs> sure. But yeah, Minneapolis though, man, what a, what a great town. Yeah. It, it seems, it seems really cool. And I would not want to be there for probably eight months out of the year. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, right. Right. And we were there in like end of August, September, like the yeah. perfect time of year, but there's, there's lots going on in that city. It's like great music scene there. It's mm-hmm. like, you know, the whole, the Prince legacy. Yeah. And, and Dylan. Yes. Yep. Yep. Um, um, and yeah, I mean, I, I met some great musicians there, great drummers there. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that was, that was one of my favorite stops. Cool. Hands down. Yeah. yeah. What have you gotten to do in Atlanta? Like other than the Beltline? Other than the Beltline. Uh, I, I mean, did... I would imagine not much cause you know, it's still fucking. <sighs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, uh, I did the Van Gogh interactive thing oh, the other cool. day and that yeah, was, yeah. that was, that was awesome. Nice. That was pretty awesome. Um, what else have I done? Uh, I, you know, I've eaten some good meals here. I've, you know, in the new COVID era, it's, you really got to be careful yep. and, 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 you know, I, I don't want to be the guy who tests positive 30 minutes before a show. Yeah. Yeah. Straight up. And, and, and it's it's a little stressful every time I get tested because like you know I don't have a standby or a sub or anything, um, so it, so it's like I I I really try to like I'm like do I really need to go out to eat tonight, you know it's like <laughs> yeah it's it's kind of a drag but like I it's the alternative is way worse to me totally totally so. Um, and you mentioned, uh, over, over text that like, uh, cause I mentioned like I'm vaccinated yeah. and you said, not only am I vaccinated, I'm getting tested every day. Yeah. So yeah. like, what has been the company's approach to COVID? I mean, it sounds like yeah. no fucking around no, at all. No, no, no. Um, and we had a little COVID outbreak last week actually. So right now, and we had to cancel a show. Unfortunately, oh, really? yeah, we had to cancel a show last Wednesday. Mm. Uh, and so right now we're, and we had to, we rescheduled it for Monday. So right now I'm in, I'm in like a stretch of 15 shows in a row. Oh, yeah. wow. So they, it's a grind right at the moment. Got it. Uh, yeah. So but, Monday's usually the dark day, but if you cancel one. Yes. Got it. Yeah. And I, you know, it's all uncharted territory. Like they're, they're doing everything they can, like masks required. Yeah. Um, everyone in the pit's wearing a mask. Mm-hmm. Um, they were doing testing three times a week. But then they, after the little outbreak, they, you know, do it like every day. We're just going to do it. Yeah. Yeah. Because, you know, it's better to err on that side. Yeah. Yeah. It's better to err on that side. And, and too, like, you can't shut it down. Too many jobs depend on it. Yeah. And it's a giant machine that can't stop. Right. That train is like out of the station. Like, it's, (laughs) it's going. You kind of found a place in DC yep. over the pandemic while yep. this show was down. Um, and it looks like you kind of set up a recording rig there, a room. Um, yeah. What was your, you know, while you're waiting for this shit to come back online, how did you occupy your time and, yeah. uh, you know, maintain any sort of income? <laughs> yeah. Right. Right. Um, 
well i i it was uh, yeah i was so lucky to have that that uh that house that we were able to land in and i had a little room in the basement that was i mean it was a godsend but um yeah i had i had some drums set up and you know i definitely took a few months to just like just practice and like kind (laughs) of de hamiltonize (laughs) my 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 brain and my body a little yeah. bit because at that point i mean i was doing it for two years eight times a week that's a lot it's a lot to do one thing and and it's really it's hard to shed on yeah. the road unless you're like going into the pit at a very specific time early in the day when there's no work calls or rehearsals or something right, like that right so yeah and even if even if you do that you know, whatever you want to practice, you're still on that set. You're yes. still in that environment. In that headspace. Totally. Ex- exactly. Yeah. So, so yeah, I can't say that I was able to shed a lot when I was on the road. And that's still kind of the case unless I'm finding like a hourly space to rent somewhere, which I try to do when mm-hmm. possible. Um, so, yeah, I, I took a few months and I really just like just played drums because it'd been and trying to play just like playing along to music and right just like really trying to like get back to the you know that mindset and just that feeling about playing drums that i you know had like before i did the tour right and right. um because that's a totally different role like hamilton is such a specific role i mean it, like drums in a musical is super specific and yeah. then drums in hamilton is even more specific than that yeah and like you said uh, you know i I, I would imagine it took a long time to just de-hamiltonize <laughs> yeah yeah it really did and you know i i was just shedding out of some books and just like doing things to make me feel uncomfortable mm. and to just like kind of break away from some of those um, you know, just like go-to beats that I would just right. play in the pit or whatever. You know what I mean? Yep. Um, so, so yeah. So I spent a couple months doing that and, um, you know, and it was also the first time that I had, I was able to like get all my recording gear from my spot in New York and bring it down and mm-hmm. like start recording drums again. And like, you know, it, it, I've reached out to a lot of people. I was like, Hey, I got the space. Like, let's, if you got anything at all, like, I don't really care about a budget. Just like, I just want to play. I yep. just want to like get better at recording. Just like, let's do it. I did the same thing. Yeah. And I'm still doing it. Just yeah. like, I need shit to learn with. Yes. So, you know, if you want to pay me, great. But if you just got something that can be my guinea pig. <laughs> totally, <laughs> Send man. it on. Yeah. I'm, I'm very much somebody who like really, I, I have a hard time being super inspired on my own. Mm, me too. So when when I get when somebody sends me something that, that like sparks something in me, it's like that's that's really what I need in a lot of cases. Totally. And I think people like you know creative people and and musicians especially like feel this pressure either from the outside or from the inside. It's like you got to self motivate. You got to like you know create a schedule for yourself yeah. and be accountable to yourself. And and some people can do that. Like yeah. whether whether they have the discipline to do that or whether their brain is just fucking on fire constantly with creative ideas. But it's <laughs> jealous like, of those people. <laughs> yeah, me too. Me too. And so like you and me are are not those people. We need some sort of external like hey do this, and then we're like fucking a let's do it. So I yeah. learned in the pandemic like. It, it's okay to not be self-motivated. What's not okay is to just like sit there and expect something totally. to come your way. Totally. Like if, if you know that it's not going to come from within you, then you kind of have to, I, I call it obligating my future self, right? Yeah. Like yeah. if you reach out to somebody, whether it's for coffee or to like offer to play drums on their track or whatever, yeah. if you just kind of step outside yourself and reach out, then the future, you know, the future you is obligated to do a thing. And that gives me the motivation and the inspiration. Okay, let's get my shit together. Let's do this track. Let's totally. find some sounds. Let, you know. Yeah. And, and again, and this was all part of the like de-Hamiltonizing. I needed fresh things in my ears. I just yeah. needed fresh creative engines. You know, I, I, I had to always have a hard time doing it on my own. Yeah. I can sit down and like shed rudiments and shed books and do that like drummy stuff. Right. And I, ha- I'm, I've, I feel like I'm a very motivated person in that sense. But mm-hmm. to like really get a s- musical spark going, I tend to uh, <laughs> fall back on others for that. Um, right. But- and I, I feel like even in terms of practicing, even in terms of learning new skills, um, like I, you know, I, I do have more discipline in that regard. Um, mm-hmm. But even then, 
I do my best, most focused practicing and my most effective learning when I'm on assignment. You know, yeah. if it's just like shedding for the sake of shedding, like, yeah, I can do that. I, yeah. Especially with the elit shit now, I can just sit down for a while and be like, yeah. okay, let's focus on how we feel and how we're moving and all that shit. Um, but yeah, like when, when I'm on assignment, that's when it's like, okay, yep. let's lock in, yep. let's learn this yep. shit, let's get yep. better. Um, so like in this process of like de-Hamiltonizing, did, did you find that you sort of were able to uh, return to your, your pre-Hamilton, uh, you know, sort of drumming flow or whatever, or, or did new different shit come out after the Hamilton two years? Um, yes, new stuff definitely came out. There was, yeah, I, there were, there were elements of my playing that I definitely didn't have before, but I, I don't think I was, I, I always say is that I was the best musician when I was living in New York, constantly learning new music, playing random stuff all the time. Mm -hmm. Like, I, the, and my ears were the healthiest. Uh, not, what do you not mean by that? Uh, sorry, just like uh, my ability to like uh, process yeah. music, like and listen, like my like listening as a skill I was totally the, know what was you the mean. sharpest yep. when I was it's in like New your, York. Your musical doing that. antenna is just it, like. Yeah, on. I feel like it was on high octane yep. in New York, Got and it. and you know I obviously have no regrets about the tour. I mean, what an opportunity! Yeah. But but um, but yeah, I still I still strive for those like oh man, that, that was those were the my ears were so good then. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, but yeah, so I just like w during that time, I just I just tried shedding and like uh, just kind of expanding the my playing and just working on technique working on all these things um i i started recording uh some sample packs mm. with there's a really great producer in new york city that i've worked with a lot over the years named jeremy page and he uh he he does a lot of hip-hop stuff he's like worked with mf doom and some like really heavy heavy people mm -hmm. over the years and um he he encouraged me to just record some sessions and record some grooves and just like record some variations on these grooves and like we'll we'll put out a sample pack of uh drum loops and drum breaks and yeah and uh yeah and you know i i ended up just we put out four volumes of them and wow. on the the drumbroker.com which is like a hip-hop kind right of, that's uh jzone is on the same thing yeah exactly a bunch of other guys exactly right. yeah yeah and it's royalty free drum breaks and yeah. um so that was a really great project and a little and fairly good surprisingly decent money maker yeah, the, so I was time. gonna ask, like, it's it's becoming a a source of income for a lot of drummers, like, yeah. and passive income. Yeah, at that yep. I interviewed uh, George Slupik a few weeks ago, yeah. who put out a sample pack through Yurt Rock. Sure, um, and I and I was talking with him about like, in order to do that, in order to sort of make it worth it, um, I think you have to have in place what what he has and what you have, which is just sort of a relationship with. Um, an engineer or a producer or uh, a platform like Yurt Rock or like um, what was uh, the drum broker drum broker yeah because right? um, if you're just trying to hock the shit on your own yeah unless you're like a you know a huge Instagram person with right. a zillion and, followers I and mean like, speaking of which Jake Reed just put out a sample pack yeah I mean uh, someone like that yeah I mean super like I those those drums sound that he recorded are unbelievable he's such a what a cat he is I yeah love him. <laughs> unbelievable but like yeah I mean I I don't personally have the social media platform to like be able to like me you know, neither break through anything yeah. like that yeah. but you know Jeremy uh the producer and mixer that I work with he has a relationship with the drum broker and he's put out some other other packs and things through them and they've done well over the years and so we just kind of like we, we did it we yeah. did it a couple times and it was it was awesome process um just you know i basically would just like set up a session 88 bpm groove to a click play some variations on that you know just think i i, I try i like to try to think in terms of a song mm -hmm. if someone was buying these breaks and loops like how, how what would be the most useful way that they could implement these and so yeah so it's like okay this is a chorus groove that i think i could play and mm -hmm. this might work with a verse here and and so basically kind of in my in my head just create these like little uh little songs right if you will yeah, and yeah. uh and so yeah and then it's cool stop let's try this at 76 bpm 
and just do do the same thing, playing different grooves, different variations, and and Jeremy goes kind of I I I kind of go through it, trim off some of the fat that I'm just like oh, this is garbage, and <laughs> 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 like send it off to him, and and then he and he edits it into these loops yeah. and mixes it. He I mean he's got like all kinds of dope vintage compressors and yeah, EQs yeah. and tape machines and stuff, and and um yeah we, we we've done this a few times now. It's been so in that process like. How do you, from from a playing perspective, it sounds like you're just kind of loose, like not overthinking it, just trying to like create some sort of playing narrative that a producer or a songwriter can use. Yeah. Um, but from a tonal perspective, from this, like, how do you how do you approach that? Because it seems like you know you listen to all the sample packs out there, and it's just like the the options are limitless. Like, what do you <laughs> yeah. go after? Do you go after specific tones? according to um you know what you think jeremy can use or do you just kind of sit down on the drums and say these are the tones i got and let's yeah i i mean i've worked with jeremy enough over the years to kind of know what what he gravitates to Mm -hmm. stylistically but also tonally yeah um you know i'm not gonna send him like an open ringy snare drum like he's he, he'll be like nah we're not doing this <laughs> as much as i love that sound yeah, in certain yeah. situations um but uh so yeah and it, it was like he he's he's like big into like this kind of 70s kind of dead drums um like very tapey yeah. kind of blown out kind of sounds and you know i try to give him some headroom so like i'll like uh you know, I'll do a round where I'm just like not really hitting things that hard just so he can kind of gives him headroom later to just like mm-hmm. turn up that gain yeah, later in yeah. the mix process. And, um, but yeah, I mean, it's like vintage sounds. I mean, I had my vintage Lugwood kit set up for most of them. Right. Um, uh, sometimes tuned real high, sometimes super dead with cloths. Like, but yeah, it was, it's a more vintage vibe than anything. Cool. Yeah. Cool. Nothing crazy bright and right. But, Right. See, I, like, I'm in the stage where, it, I mean, it's part of the reason I find it difficult to just, like, motivate myself to explore in here, and I should do it more. Yeah. But, w- like, if I'm left to my own devices, yeah. if I don't, you know, have a, an assignment, like I said, the options just become, they're, they're limitless, and it becomes overwhelming. And it's it's like, well, which which <laughs> road do I try and take a few steps down today? tone you know in terms of the tone chasing thing um whereas you know if i'm given a track and it's like oh this is obviously this vibe Mm -hmm. or a reference track it's like okay i can put my brain you know put some parameters around (laughs) how i'm gonna approach this yeah um but yeah just having like all options on the table i just walk away from the table i'm like no (laughs) (laughs) and you know and with that being said too and like going back to our uh uh like the challenge of like getting inspired, just playing drums ourselves. I'll sometimes have Jeremy be Jeremy, can you just like send me like an organ loop? Can you just send me like a pad or something? To, or like, right. It's just, I need something, man. Yeah. And or sometimes I'll just do it. I'll just like <laughs> throw on the soft synth and just like have an arpeggiator going and just be like, cool, I'm just going to groove to this. Yeah. And just having something extra, that's always kind of helped me a little bit. And obviously this is all thrown away and no one hears what I was playing to. Right. <laughs> but. Right. Yeah. 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 That's a cool approach. If you can just, come up with a little something by yourself it doesn't even have to be a full track like a fully realized song or whatever but just something to latch on to yeah it's always helped on this show allow you to do and what does it prevent you from doing and yeah what's that calculus in your head over the next sort of stage of your career yeah i mean that's a great question um well you know if i if i go back to new york i think i will have you know i've made a lot of great connections to the people in the broadway community that i did not have before Mm -hmm. and i think 
Um, I don't, I don't think there's a, any guarantee of like, oh, you did Hamilton, you get a Broadway gig now. Like that doesn't work like that. And, right. But on, on, by the same token, I was talking to Q last night actually, sure. and he was yeah. talking about listening to Clayton's podcast and how so many of the people who have the steady gigs on Broadway yeah. started out in a touring gig. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. You're totally right. It's you're, not guaranteed, but it is a thing. <laughs> yeah, it is a thing. And you know, and it you, like, even if I'm going to sub on a show, it's like, oh, this is Sam to the music director. He was playing with the Hamilton tour. The music right. director's going to be like, oh, okay, cool. Welcome. That's currency. That's... Yeah. That, I think that means something. Um, but uh, yeah. So I think, you know, I think there's some doors there that have definitely opened that I didn't have before. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so but for, in terms of you know what I've missed out on, I think what I I think I've missed out on, just <laughs> speaking about like like soul wise mm-hmm. playing other music. Yeah, and I I I say this time and again, that's the hardest part about being on tour is that just like the daily, um, uh, just. The, being able to create with other people every day and just do that. Like I, I I just, you know, I'm never going to get that time back and that's fine. Mm -hmm. You know, and I've, there's a thousand people out there who would love to be in my shoes and I'm super grateful and thankful that I fell into this situation. Um, but yeah, I, I guess I, I, I really miss playing music. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That's that's, that's, that's all I can really say. And and now like, if you want to include COVID in this, we're like, and I'm, and this isn't to say that I'm not playing music on a nightly basis. I know exactly you what know you what meant I'm, by I that. I just want to like, be very clear no, about that. I totally that. know exactly what yeah. you meant by that. Yeah. And, um, but yeah, I mean, including COVID times and um, the two years I was on the road, we're, we're going on almost like three and a half years of playing very little music. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, that's, that's a trade off. Yeah. And yeah. that's and that's fine, right? For now, right. and I hope to there will come a point like going forward where I'll be playing re- music regularly again. Yeah, and I'm yeah. sure there will come a point. Like who knows when it's going to be, but there's going to come yeah. a point when it's going to make sense to you that like I got to step away from this. I got to do something else. Yeah, totally. Um, and it's it's funny about the uh, just sort of the um the longevity of a gig, no matter what level it's at, no matter what the gig is. And no matter how highly coveted that gig might be, yeah. Um, it, I think, I think any gig in the world at a certain point for everyone becomes, I'm done with this. I'm over it. I got to do something else. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I think a certain few people like do the same gig for a good chunk of their lives. Yeah. Right. And maybe some of them have regrets. Maybe some of them don't. But for most of us, you know, you could be doing a show like Hamilton or an arena tour with a legend or um, playing, you know, your, your favorite music with your favorite people, even if it's in tiny little clubs or whatever. Yeah. But if that's all you're doing, yeah, like it's, it, it has a shelf life. Yeah, totally. You're going to itch to diversify for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. And you know, I, I, in terms of how long I'm going to stay on the gig, I can't, I can't really say for certain now, I think I'll, I'll know when it's time. Yeah. I'll, I'll definitely know when it's time and you know i going forward i i'm kind of looking at maybe the end of next year we'll see I'm, mm-hmm. i i have you know i'm trying to but between of, now and then you get to like sit down at home for a while right yeah so yeah next summer yeah, yeah. And that's that i mean that it would be a very different tour right now if i didn't have that off in the distance you know because sure. it would be very much like well i'm just doing this for as long as i can and now I have kind of a goal to be like, cool. I'm just like, I'm gunning for that like July DC sit down where I can, you know, live at home, see my own bed, see <laughs> yeah. my girlfriend every day. Yeah, like yeah. just those things right. that, you know, I that make touring really hard. Right. And I would imagine, yeah. I mean, that like that, um, you know, quote unquote break that you get to have, you know, yeah. you're still doing the show, but you're going to be at home like it could go one of two ways. Like it could give you a second wind and be like, okay, I can go up, you know, Absolutely. do a bunch more of these shows. Absolutely. Or it could be like, I really like being at home and, and yeah, I might not want to do this anymore. Yeah. Yeah. And, <laughs> and I, that's totally possible. And, you know, I, like I said, I think I'll know when it's time. And like, yeah. if that time come like next summer after I've been home and I'm just like, I 
got a little bit left in me, then I'll see how it goes. I'll, I'll, I think also where the tour is going has a lot to do with it. Sure. You know, it's, that's, if we're leaving DC come October and then we're like, you know, going to Boise, Idaho. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Sit down in Dayton, Ohio. (laughs) No offense, Dayton, Ohio. No, but like, so it It ain't San Francisco. (laughs) Right. But if, but if like, you know, if there's a, a long sit down in another cool city, yeah. if I'm like, oh, you can go to Boston for three months or something, like, I'll be like, it might give me pause. Right. Right. So, yeah. So it depends on that as well. Have you, uh, I would imagine the answer is kind of no, but have have you gotten hip to like the DC scene at all yet? I, ha- I haven't, man. I Are you interested in doing that? Like is, I'll put it this way, is you know, after, after COVID, after Hamilton, whenever that comes, yeah. like is, is DC on the list of places that you could just like be, or is it going to be New York or Nashville? I think it's, I mean, you I, own a ho- house in Nashville. Yeah. <laughs> I'd really like to live in that house. Yeah. <laughs> Have you not gotten to live in it at all? I haven't at all. Oh, no. Fuck. No. I, yeah. I flew down there to do some landscaping before I had tenants God. come in and I, I, I drove to Nashville to, uh, to vote last fall and I drove past the house and I was like, oh, house. You just drove past it? Yeah. You didn't even get out and like. I just mean, you know, I have, there's. I, there's tenants. I don't want to get in their space. How many times know? did you drive past it, Sam? Oh, definitely six. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. shit. Well, yeah, so it sounds like uh, Nashville makes sense to kind of set your yeah, sights on. Yeah, but then again, you know, it's like the the... The, like the connections through in the Broadway world, that's like, that's very New York centric. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I don't really want to squander that. Yeah. Cause I mean, and sure, like being on tour with Hamilton and it's been like awesome financially and, 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 um, you know, great in a lot of ways. But like, I think the biggest benefit in a way is, is like being able to like cash in on that, on those connections. Sure. And, and that, and, um, the, I don't, for lack of a better word, the kind of credibility that you might have. Yeah, yeah. Like, I don't know if in Nashville people really care <laughs> about a Broadway tour necessarily, the same way they, yeah. that it's like, the, as they would in New York. Right. I can't really say for sure, but I, in my brain, that's what I right. imagine. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but like having credibility in multiple places, like more and more, I know musicians who, you know, they might own a house in a certain place and they might, you know, live and vote in a certain place. Yeah. But, um, you know, either either through osmosis because of the different places they've lived or out of a concerted effort to, like, make inroads in different places, mm-hmm. they kind of have, you know, citizenship in two or three or four different scenes. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. and, and like you said, they can cash in on the credibility that they have in these different scenes. Um, and it's something I've been thinking about recently. Like I've lived in, uh, Kansas city and LA and Atlanta. Um, and you know, I have a lot of friends and connections in Nashville. I want to start spending more time up there. Yeah. Um, and just this idea of like, you know, you, you, you don't have to be all in a hundred percent living off of whatever city it is right. you live in. So even right. if you live in Nashville and own a house there, you now have this credibility in New York. Um, yeah. and that can pay dividends. That's like you don't have point. to just, yeah. you know, kind of write New York off and say, well, I live in Nashville now. <laughs> totally. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Like some, <laughs> it's a quick flight. Right. Right. So I, I imagine somebody like in New York calling and say, Hey, like, do you want to play such and such a show on Broadway? And you'd be like, don't you understand? I live in Nashville. now. <laughs> <laughs> I would love to, but I can't. I live in Nashville now. <laughs> right. <laughs> totally, man. Uh, well. Good luck with stuff, man. It's, Thanks, man. It seems, We're all figuring it out. It's yeah, man, slowly but slowly but surely. I was talking with, uh, I was texting with um, Ben Hilsinger, who is uh, the host of the Big Fat Five yeah, podcast. Yeah, love that. Um, so we've got like a bunch of behind the scenes stuff working, like with the Drum Click Network, and and Ben is coaching us up about various social media things cool. and podcast platforms and whatever. And I was texting with him earlier today, and I asked him a question that he had answered like at length on a zoom call day before yesterday. (laughs) And I was like, fuck man, I'm sorry. Like I I told him life is revving up again and my brain is not revving up as, as fast. (laughs) Like I can feel this centrifugal force, like a, like a a hurricane is a bad analogy, but like I can feel it start spinning and I'm, I'm sort of, 
um, struggling to keep shit from not spinning away from me too fast. Um, I hear that, man. Yeah, yeah. Like, do you do you feel that as as I mean, you're you're doing one gig, like you're sort of very focused on that. But, yeah. Um, as things open back up, as the show gets going again, was it tough to sort of get back into gear? The first, it took about a week. <laughs> I'll just say that, and, yeah. you know, and the there and and now we're we're doing the show. You right. know, we're doing we're doing the eight shows a week. Right. And and we're 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 in the mix now. Yeah. And And I like to think that I've I've caught up with everything. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I would imagine if you hadn't, you'd be hearing from somebody. <laughs> yeah. 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 Totally. Totally. Um, yeah. Well, cool. Uh, man, I, I, uh, I wish I knew that you were here sooner cause you're about to leave and you've I been know, here for six weeks and yeah. could have done a lot more hanging and could have come see the show and we'll have to come back. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure Hamilton will be back here at some point. Yeah. Most, most definitely. Yeah. <laughs> um, and if you end up in Nashville, then you're, you're real close by. Yeah. It's a couple, four um, hours, six, four hours. Yeah. Yeah. It's oh, awesome. Um, but man, thanks. Thanks so much for coming by. Yeah. Uh, thanks to Q for hooking us up. Yeah. Shout out to Q. Yeah. And good, good luck with that show, man. <laughs> Thank you. Don't, don't Thank let you. it, don't let it eat you. Thank you. <laughs> I'll try. <laughs> it sounds like you're on top of it, but it was, yeah, it yeah. was great talking to you. All right. Thanks a lot, Zach. Thanks to Sam for that talk. Sweet cat. Good meeting him. Want to remind you that Working Drummer Podcast is now part of the Drum Click Podcast Network, along with Big Fat Five with Ben Hilsinger, Drum History Podcast with Bart Vanderzee, Drum Candy with Mike Dawson, and Sarah Hagen backstage. Go to thedrumclick.com for more info. Follow the Drum Click on Facebook and Instagram for more content, and check out those other shows. Everybody's putting out great stuff. Next week, Matthew Krause will be talking with Nashville-based drummer Dave Matthews, who just landed the gig with Saving Abel. Hope you check that out. Until then, stay safe, get vaxxed, and thanks for listening. Cheers. Cheers.